Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Reading from John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 30. It's from the New Revised Standard Version. And uh, there might be a little ad-libbing in there every once in a while, too. I'm not sure yet. Uh, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, he said, Peace be with you. For as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples took him, told him, we have seen the Lord, Thomas. We have seen Jesus. But Thomas shook his head and he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I I, I can't, I, I won't believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus once again came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. And then he looked at Thomas. And he said, put your finger here. And see my hands. Reach out your hand and and put it in my side. You don't have to doubt anymore, Thomas. It's okay to believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, oh, Thomas, you believe because you see me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that through simply believing in Jesus, you may have life. Life in his name. The word of the Lord. 
Wow, thanks, Mitch. Thanks for all the additions. Um, hi, Genesis. Hi, friends. Um, I'm going to do something I've never done before. One, I've never sat down to teach. This feels really weird. <laughs> so I'm going to acknowledge that out loud. And I've never um, taught on a video screen before. So that feels a little weird. So normally, if, when I'm with you, what I would be doing is would be I get to walk around, I get to pace off my um, kind of nervousness a little bit. So instead, I'm going to sit in this chair and we're going to have a conversation about this passage of scripture. What's interesting is a year ago, I taught on this same passage. And we talked about Thomas, the doubting Thomas. And um, it was so when this passage came up and Steve asked me if I'd preach, I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to preach on this. I, I kind of know this passage. And then the more I sat with the passage, it was like I couldn't go to where I'd gone before. It was like I kept being invited into something new. And I, the words that kept resonating with me and kept ringing with me over and over again were these words, peace be with you. So we're going to do a little all play here. I'll play and I'm going to try and figure this out. You guys write in through the chat. But my first all play, all play is really, um, what do you think, given the fact that we've been through Easter, we've been through the resurrection, which amazing service last week, Steve, thank you so much. Um, what do you think the disciples were experiencing? And why do you think they were hiding together? Oh, disbelief, confusion. Oh, because they could. <laughs> they were experiencing fear for sure. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. And Molly, there was safety in numbers, weren't they? Yeah, there was. So there's this element of, oh, necessity. Yeah, well, it was necessity because we didn't know. They didn't know whether, what was going to happen. They were the only ones who experienced the same things before, reminded themselves that they did know Jesus. So coming back together to remind one another what they actually knew. I would want to be with folks I was with through it all. So they're returning to something, the people, there's some security there. There's some actual um, knowing with one another. Yeah, I think all of that's very, very true. So it's very, so one of the things that they're experiencing in this room together, they're experiencing their fear their disbelief, they're experiencing their previous memories from before. They're experiencing all of that. And they're doing it in kind of a lockdown situation. So I'm curious, anybody know what it feels like to kind of feel in a lockdown situation? What does that feel like? What does it feel like? Lonely. Yeah, Sarah, you're right. It does feel lonely. No clue. Can't imagine. Yeah, right, Karen. No other option. Pinbar boring. It is boring at times, isn't it? It's boring at times. It's exhausting. Yeah, I think you're right. It's exhausting at times. Uncertainty. We don't know. 
it's isolating at times, right? And you're constantly wondering what's next. That's so true. Oh man, so many great answers. My soul feels a bit empty without others. Molly, I think that's so true because there's this element of us when we're with others, we can actually hold things in a different way, don't we? Lots more time to do things, claustrophobic. You know, one of the things that I hear a lot throughout the week in my work week, I hear a lot of people are disappointed. They're scared. And and the reality is, is all of those things that I think the disciples were feeling in many ways, we're feeling too. So I think for such a time as this, what if this passage, um, what if this passage really is something that's teaching us about what's relevant right now? Two weeks before this time in scripture, the disciples were hanging out with Jesus and they were getting ready to go into Jerusalem and their life was walking down a course that was very different than the one that they're in right now. And so I think it's good to notice that the disciples were missing things, just like we're missing things. We're missing graduations. We're missing planned weddings that we had planned. We're missing um, people being with us that we might hang out with for a happy hour. We're missing shared times around a dinner table. Um, for many of us, if you want to look at my husband's picture, we're missing hairdressers. It's getting long really long. Um, and as one of my daughters said recently, she says, we're about three weeks away from seeing everybody's natural hair color. There's a lot of things we're missing during this time. But um, one of the th things that I think the disciples were missing most were the rhythms of just being with Jesus. And the truth is, Jesus actually comes to them. They don't have to go looking for him. They don't have to go find him. Jesus actually comes to them. And Jesus comes through the doors. I mean, not through the doors. Jesus just suddenly appears and is with them. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but that would kind of freak me out. Just a little bit, it'd freak me out. I'd be grateful. I'd, I, think I'd, I think I'd eventually get there, but it would kind of freak me out. But when he shows up, I want you to notice what Jesus actually does. They're feeling disappointment. They're confused. They're unclear. They're probably un a little unfocused. They're doubt. There's doubt in the room. There's stress. All those things are present. Isolation, loneliness, it's all, all there. And Jesus comes there to meet them. Jesus meets them right there. And then what does he do? The very first thing he does to them is he greets them. And then he shows them his scars. Now, hang with me for a minute, because the reality is, is Jesus just conquered death, right? Was able to rise, go from death to life. And yet he kept the scars in his hands and in his side. Now, if Jesus is able to conquer death, wouldn't Jesus be able to kind of clean the body up a little bit? Maybe remove those scars a little bit? So why do you think he kept the scars? That's an all play. Why would he keep 
Keep the scars. This is something that mars the body. He's just beat death. Ooh, I love that, Sarah, to show that he was vulnerable too. Ooh, Aaron, we all have scars, and there is beauty in them. He knew Thomas would need to see them. Yep. He's proud of his old humanness. Yes. Our wounds are a part of who we are, and scars tell a part of our story. Oh, I can't even read them that fast. It's, oh, and I have to use my glasses. The death is part of the new life. It's a reminder. Yeah, but I think our wounds truly are a part of who we are, and they're a necessary part. They're not something that needs to be cleaned up. And I wonder if so often we feel like we have to clean up our emotions, we have to clean up our anxiety, we have to clean up our depression, we have to clean up our fear, our confusion, we have to get rid of all that in order to be near Jesus or to be near God. And what if? The scars are showing us that, oh, you can come as you are. And you, you can bring these fears too. And the juxtaposition is that I'm going to show up right here in your midst. And the first words I'm going to speak to you, first I'm going to show you my scars, and then I'm going to speak to you, peace be with you. And then I'm going to breathe on you. Because if we try to clean all, if we try to push that anxiety away, push the, the fear of the unknown, we try to take it away, get rid of it so that we can really truly be with God and experience that peace. I wonder if we're actually going to miss something. So I looked up the word peace here and actually, to be really honest with you guys, I thought it was the word shalom. And that's what I've been under the pretense for most of the week. And I looked it up and it's a word. I love to say it. So hang on just a second. It's I, 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 oh, shoot. I, Isn't that a beautiful word? It's Greek. And the root of the word is actually to join. But the actual meaning of the word is a state of national tranquility. An exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Is anybody else shocked? I mean, what Jesus is literally saying to you is, I want you to be in a state of national tranquility. National tranquility. Peace be with you. In the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your confusion and your isolation and your loneliness, I want a peace that is a state of national tranquility. You guys, we are living in something right now that has never happened before in our lifetime. And Lord willing, I hope never happens again. But it will change us. And one of the things that I think is so powerful, I love Bob where you said, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I love that song. I, I'm, that's a great song. But the reality is, is the peace that I carry is not going to be absent my fear. And I think sometimes, well, like, okay, here's an all play. What are, what are the images of 
peace that all of us carry. What are some images of peace? Calm water, doves, damn hippies. Thanks, David. <laughs> a river, a smile. Nature, channel of peace. Sunshine, kindness, all dogs forever. Okay, Maddie, yep, you're a dog lover. Fog on a lake, acceptance and inclusions. Um, a napping baby, a cool breeze. Lack of pet. Passion, just chill. A wolf and a lamb lying down together. Okay, that is something that if you've grown up in church at all, you will always see that a wolf and a lamb lying together. And so here's the reality is um, when we think of wolves, what do we think of? We think of aggression kind of, don't we? Think of aggression or a wolf going after something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> but and when we think of a lamb, we think of this soft, gentle going together, Right. The reality is, is what if peace truly is the presence of both together? But the thing that I notice in this passage here that I absolutely love, and I think repeatedly we see here, is the peace isn't dependent upon how somebody feels. The peace just is with you. So Jesus offers first breath. I mean, offers first, look at my scars. Here's my scars. They act, scars belong. And then he says, peace be with you. And then in the progression, what he does is he breathes on them. Now, this Sunday is considered the sending out, where Jesus is sending his disciples out. But what's so interesting is when he breathes on them, the word for breath here is, I, is emphasao, and it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. The only time. And all the scholars and the rabbis believe that it is the exact representation of another verse in time. And where else have we seen Jesus, where else have we seen God use breath as a form? Of life. Genesis, yes, we always have to go back to Genesis, right? And it was in a garden. It was Genesis 2 7, and it's where the Lord formed humankind out of the dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So in this passage, Jesus comes in, shows the scars, and said, Your scars really matter. They hold value. You can touch them. And yes, I see that you are scared. You're in doubt. You're lonely. You are feeling isolated and you're scared and confused. I see that. And guess what? That peace can still be here with you. Even with that, we can hold that. And now I'm going to breathe into you, not just any breath. I'm going to breathe breath that is life-giving for where you're at and what you're facing today with everything you're carrying i'm going to breathe into you because what does breath represent but new life so
Let's take just a moment. And I want everybody to take a I really, we're going to take a really deep breath in. We're going to hold it and then we're going to push it out. And in so doing, I want us to notice what you're feeling right now. So you notice it before we breathe it in. We're going to notice it and we're going to name it. I want to, We can say it out loud. We can type it in, whatever. What are we feeling right now? And then we're going to breathe out corporately and just acknowledge it's here. Let's just notice it and let's name it. Okay? So in three, two, one, let's breathe in. One, two, three, four, five, six. Hold it. You've got your name of whatever it is, and now let it go and just say it out loud, whatever it is you're feeling. And notice that it's okay, whatever it is. Because peace can be right there with whatever it is you're feeling, with the loneliness, the isolation, the disappointment. Because what Jesus offers us here is an example of, yeah, I know it's, I know why you're hiding. I get it. I get why you're hiding, but I will come to you. I will be with you. I am for you. I see that anxiety. I see that sadness. I see that creativity. I see that everything that's going, I see it. And I'm going to come here with you and say, peace be with you. And I will breathe into you. And what we talk about all the time here at Genesis, we cultivate new beginnings over and over again, right? And how many of us are in a place where, you know what? We have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. We have no idea when this pandemic is going to be over. We have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side, right? But what do we see right now in the midst of this that is actually life-giving? So my all play to you is what is life-giving to you right now, even in the midst of everything that's actually real? the isolation and the sadness, the fear. What else is life, what is life giving? Somebody's father's really making it fun. I can't remember who said that. The sun and time outside, sitting in front of my fireplace, the outdoors, peaceful retreat. When I get to see people's faces, clear skies, sunset movement, no long commutes. All dogs forever. No appointments. Accomplishing projects. Mostly yard work. Yeah, get outside. Do the yard work now. Chatting and texting. Cat, animal life. Julie, my son's home. Yeah. Family dinner together with hot meals. Slowing down. So in the midst of this, the reality is, is there are life gifts. There are things that are nurturing life in us. And I just keep wondering if there are ways in which peace keeps finding us and saying, your peace that you choose to nurture will impact other people.
people's peace because this is not just an individual peace. It's a state of national tranquility. So what I experience and being able to notice and name things I struggle with and the ways I actually feel are important because the truth is I can't, I can't be present to somebody else unless I'm first present to what I'm experiencing. And when I can actually name, notice and name my own, then I can actually be present to someone else and recognize this great need, this great beauty of um, what nurtures life. So once again, it it looks to me like scripture is showing us that just like the song we just sang, you make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of dust. What if God is making beautiful things right now in us? In the midst of this, um, what if some of the things that God is making in us right now are ways in which we can truly be present with one another and for one another. And I want to say, honestly, on Sunday morning when we get together, you guys, I love scrolling through and seeing everybody's faces. And I realize I just switched screens. And my friends, Viv and Larry Halker on the screen, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, hi. This is somebody from way, way past. I didn't even know you were on the screen, and this is so exciting. So when we scroll through, we are seeing people's faces, and we're pausing, and we're lingering. And the thing that I think is so beautiful is can we share this peace be with you as we look at the screen. So take the time, look at your screen, see everybody, see the faces. In my mom's case, I'm just seeing her blanket. But see the faces and can we share together, even just the names, can we share that, even the names where there, it's just a name, can we say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And oh my goodness, yes, Greg, peace be with you. A broken jaw, stitches, yes, rollerblades. I'm actually impressed you were on rollerblades. But but peace be with you. The final part of the passage that I think is so beautiful is um, Thomas where Thomas's doubt, he gets labeled a lot because of his doubt instead of, I want to say, his courage. Thomas is the one who turns towards Jesus and says, I have to touch those scars. In the first part of the passage, Jesus shows everybody the scars, and we don't know if anybody came forward and touched them. But Thomas was courageous enough that says, no, I have to put my hand in his side And I see that as courageous. 
he moved forward. And the words that Jesus said to him were, you know, blessed are those, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet still believe. Because I think there's, that's a message to all of us because the reality is, is all of us are in that same place. We haven't seen and yet we believe. And yet every time we engage with another's scar and hold it tenderly, I think what we're actually doing is engaging with the scars in a gentle, tender way that offers this um, national state of tranquility. Oh, I see your scar and I'll hold it. I'll honor that scar and I will love you as you are. So what if the things that we're experiencing in isolation from one another that are actually giving us these new perspectives about life or slowing down some of the things, these perspectives, what if these are actual ways that a state of national tranquility is being spread? in and through the world. The reality for all of us is that we thought the world was one thing and then everything changed. And now we're literally living in a place of unknown what tomorrow, what it's going to be when we come out of this. But here's the truth. Nobody can take away our experience. So we're going to go into 60 seconds of silence here in just a minute. I have to find my, the prayers of confession. And I wonder in the 60 seconds of silence, Can you hold compassion for yourself where you're at right now? Can you hold a compassion for um, maybe the child that has asked for um, 50 million? Can you hold compassion for yourself because a child has asked you 50 million times for one thing and you're about to pull your hair out? Can you hold compassion for yourself so that you can then offer compassion to another? Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If you find yourself nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if you have, have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.